G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. So often we try to make changes in our lives, you know, the difficult things, those entrenched behaviours that keep ruining things for us. But try as we might, somehow we always seem to fail. But worship, well, that's something that changes us from the inside out. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called Worship as a Way of Life. And what we're going to do is look at the fruit of worship, the impact that it has in our lives. So let's head into God's Word and do just that. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about our free daily devotional, Fresh, that I'd love to send you to help you live your life more and more as an act of worship to God. Well, welcome to this program. It's the last program in our four-part series called Worship as a Way of Life. I guess the guts of it has been getting our hearts and our minds around the fact that worship is more than just going to church and singing songs on Sunday morning. So much more. And over the last three weeks, we've seen that there are really two aspects to worship, two different words used for worship in the New Testament. Worship on the inside bowing down our lives to God, the the thing that happens in our hearts, and then what we go on and do with that, living out that worship through our service on the outside. It makes sense. You look at a marriage. I love my wife Jackie with all my heart. I adore her. But if that's all I did, it wouldn't be a very great marriage. Once a week, if I just said, darling, I love you, come on, what sort of a marriage would it be? I have to live out that marriage. I have to live out that love. I don't always do that perfectly, but she has to know that I love her through how I treat her and what I say to her and what I do for her. And as I live out that love, it changes me on the inside and I love her even more. So this inside-outside thing, well, they feed off each other. The question is, is it like that in our relationship with God? Today we're going to conclude this series by asking that question. Okay, so if I worship God... What happens to me? I mean, does it change me? Does it transform me? Does it change the way I am on the inside and the outside? We're going to start off today back in the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible, go and grab it. We'll go to the book of Exodus. We're looking when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments. Something happened to him up there. Have a look at Exodus chapter 34, beginning at verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he wasn't aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. When his brother Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke with them. Afterwards all the Israelites came near to him and he gave them all the commandments that the Lord had given him up on the mountain. When Moses finished speaking to them, He put a veil over his face. 
but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out again. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant again. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. See, when you go into God's presence, you can't help it. Something happens to you. And with Moses, he went into God's presence up on Mount Sinai and then in the, in the tabernacle, the tent, which was the tent of the meeting place. When Israel were out there in the desert for 40 years in the Exodus, they built a tent. And in, in the center of that tent, in a place called the Holy of Holies, is where the presence of God rested with them. And only Moses would go in and speak with God. And, and when he did that, there was this radiance, something different about him when he came out from having been in God's presence. He was, he was transformed in a way that the people, well, they really noticed this. A few thousand years later, the Apostle Paul looks back on all of that and comes up with the conclusion that when we turn to the Lord our God and worship him, something like that happens, only much better. Let's again go to God's Word and have a look at Second Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. This is what Paul writes. We aren't like Moses, who had to put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while radiance was fading away. Their minds were made dull, for to this day that same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses' laws are read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What's this thing that Paul is talking about here? The Israelites in the first century were bound up in God's law and in legalism. You know, it was all about rules. There were 613 commandments and prohibitions in the Torah, in the Hebrew law, that was given through Moses. And they got so rule-bound and legalistic. And that's the thing that Jesus came to set us free from. I mean, Moses in the Old Testament was able to go into the presence of God. And when he came out, he used to have to hide his transformation, the glory of God shining out from his face, because people didn't understand it. They couldn't take it. The whole bunch of people around in his day who just didn't get it. A bit like today, really. Whenever we turn to the Lord, to Jesus, the veil is taken away. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The picture here is of our faces shining with the glory of God. Not a sense of a bunch of rules that we have to keep. Not that at all. A sense of freedom. See, here's what so often happens. Someone accepts Jesus Christ into their lives as Lord and Saviour, right? Fantastic. All great intentions. But then little by little... We get bound up in rules and regulations and you have to do this and you can't do that. It's called legalism. And Paul is saying, no, you get up on the mountaintop and you worship God. You don't have to be like that. He changes you on the inside and you end up shining on the outside. The veil is removed. You don't have to hide it anymore. Have you ever met someone that's just glowing with the glory of God, with the goodness of God? You know, they walk into the room and there's, there's a kind of a, a light. And when they leave, something lingers, this, this sense that somehow God is in this place. When we, like Moses, go to that mountaintop and worship God, it changes us. It transforms us 
on the inside and you end up glowing that on the outside. There's a sense that this person has been up there worshipping in the presence of God. You know what we try to do? We try and do this in our own strength. We look at God and go, wow, God is so amazing. And the more we look at him, the more we realise our own weaknesses. So then we set about trying to change them. We think, you know something, I have to stop doing this, or I have to start doing that, or I have to do this and don't do that. And before you know it, we're peddling so hard, we're exhausted. And ultimately, we end up failing. It's too hard. We can't do it. Paul is saying here that when we worship God on that mountaintop, God does something amazing. He, he fills us on the inside and we can't help it. It ends up shining out on the outside. We'll take a look at that right after this break. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, and you'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, worshipping God, I don't just mean singing the songs on Sunday, but actually living our lives as an act of worship to God is something that radically changes everything. Living a life of worship transforms us from the inside out. So let's dive back into God's Word and take another look. When we worship God, that bears fruit in our lives. It, it changes us on the inside and on the outside in ways that we simply couldn't do on our own. In fact, as we worship him, we end up looking more and more like Jesus. Have a read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, what Paul goes on to say. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that veil that Paul was talking about before and here in this passage is the veil of misunderstanding. It's the veil of separation. It's the veil that says, I can't come before God because I'm not worthy. In the first century, the Jews had the temple. In fact, they'd had it for quite a long time before then. And in the center of the temple, in the inside, was the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God was. And only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and then only once a year on the Day of Atonement to make atonement with God through sacrifice for the sins of Israel. Anyone else went in there, they would die because they couldn't stand the presence of the Lord. He's holy and he's perfect and we're not. And we would surely die in his presence. 
That's why when Moses came down from the mountain and his face was glowing with the glory of God, people were afraid. The Holy of Holies was closed off from the rest of us in the temple by a thick curtain or a veil. So what's changed? How come we can go into God's presence and worship him? How is it that we can come before a holy God just as we are with our faces uncovered and our hearts uncovered open to him? Luke explains it in his gospel as he records the crucifixion of Jesus. You can read this in Luke chapter 23 verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour and the darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. See, the death of Jesus Christ paid for all my sins, he paid for all your sins, and that one thing that stopped us from coming into the very presence of God, our sin, was dealt with. And so God tore the veil into the veil that closed off the Holy of Holies. He opened that up to you and me the instant that Christ died. That means if we put our faith in Jesus, we can go and stand in his presence, unveiled just as we are, and just gaze on his beauty with wonder and awe and worship him. And when we do that, then we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, which comes from God, who is the Spirit. Just as we stand in his presence and know that he is God, he transforms us into his likeness from glory to glory to glory. And it works its way out from the inside to our outside. And we're transformed into his likeness. We end up looking more and more like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that so many Christians are just plain hypocrites? They go to church on Sunday, and yet you look at their lives for the rest of the week, and they look nothing like Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because they haven't adopted worship as their way of life. I struggle so much in my life when I don't spend time with Jesus. If I've been sick or I've been travelling or I'm really busy or really tired, in those times I just know that I haven't got what it takes to do it on my own. And time and time again, that's what brings me back to the foot of the cross. Time and time again I discover and I rediscover I can't do this on my own. Only when I worship God on the inside and then I live that out on the outside that's when I can look like him. When we get off that mountaintop and wander around in the marshes of day-to-day life, like Moses, the glory fades. But when we spend time worshipping Jesus on the mountaintop, on the inside, we don't have to go out there in life and wander around on our own anymore, in our own strength. Instead, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we worship God, He fills us with his joy, just at having been in his presence. The joy of just having seen him and heard him and and experienced him changes us. He fills us with the joy of the Lord, the fullness of his spirit. We need to experience Jesus for ourselves. That's what real worship is. 
making music unto him in our hearts, singing, delighting, resting, praying. And when we do that, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I love this because we can't do it in our own strength. God has this amazing plan to transform you and me into his image from glory to glory just as we turn to worship him and bow down before him, to set us free, to, to fill us with the calm delight of his presence. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is so much better than keeping the veil over our hearts and trying to go out there and do it in our own strength. This is, well, it's so God, isn't it? It's so him. Do you get it? He wants to change you and me from glory to glory. He, he wants to transform us to, in effect, be Christ to a lost and hurting world, to look like and to walk like and to talk like Jesus, to ache like Jesus for those around us. In his image, that was always the plan. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. No one likes a hypocrite. You don't, I don't. And yet so many of God's people, Christians, come across to others as being just that, hypocrites. And that's sad because God means for us, you and me, to have a powerful impact in this world. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Living an Authentic Life, full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you be all that God made you to be. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. All right, in the few minutes that we have left together, let's dive back into the Word of God. I was accosted recently by a man in a coffee shop in Chicago. It turns out, sad to say, that he was an Australian who heard me talking with my colleague in the coffee shop, and so he picked up my accent. Anyhow, this guy accosts me quite aggressively and starts telling me that if we believe in God, it's possible for us to be perfect here on earth. Unfortunately, I didn't think quickly enough. What I should have done is asked him, so uh, do you know anyone who's like that? Perfect, I mean. Because the only perfect person I know is Jesus Christ. Now, I want to deal with this because it's important. From what we've seen so far on the program, you could easily get the impression that I agree with that guy in the coffee shop. Just keep worshipping Jesus and you'll be exactly like him, perfecto. My experience is that there are sometimes gaps between the glories. You know, when it talks about us being transformed from glory to glory, I make mistakes every day. I fall short every day, and my hunch is, so do you. And if we think that we can end up being perfecto, well, we're going to become very discouraged very quickly. Paul addresses this in the next few verses. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let's have a listen to what he says. 
For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That kind of reinforces what we've been talking about. God does something. He shines his light. As we get to know Jesus, he shines his light into our hearts. The same God who created light out of darkness. It's the first thing he did, let there be light. That God speaks light into our hearts through Jesus Christ. But look at what he says in the next verse, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. The treasure that Paul is talking about here is the wonder and the glory of God. That light that shines out from our faces and, and from all that we do when we are people of worship. The jars of clay, well, that's you and me. That's who we are. What a great contrast. The light shining out, the glory of God, bright and pure and perfect. But God takes it and he puts it in this, this rough and imperfect earthenware jar. Maybe it has some chips and cracks and, and that brilliant light of God's glory shines out from that imperfect and rough jar. Sometimes we go and worship God and we come down from the mountaintop and we're full of his glory and we think everything's going to go well. But look what Paul says. We're hard pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not despaired. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. He was going through some difficult times in ministry. People were trying to kill him. They were locking him up. They were beating him. They were abandoning him. Just because we worship God doesn't mean that those things aren't going to happen to us. They do. We are in an earthenware jar. And what a sharp contrast between this beautiful, perfect, glorious light of God and this rough and imperfect and sometimes cracked and broken earthenware jar. They're so different, you can tell the difference, you can't help it. And there's a reason for that. So that people will know that this light that they see on our faces, this glory of God, this all-surpassing power, comes from God and not from us. God is so realistic, isn't he? He doesn't expect perfection. He just wants us to come as we are. A bit rough around the edges. A bit perfect. With pressures and tensions in our lives. And when we worship him, he pours his glory into us to shine out into the world. It's so easy for us to get discouraged. The more we worship God, the more we see our own imperfections in his light. But that's the plan, just for us to let him take our lives as we are and for God to use them for his glory. That's worship. Worship as a way of life. You, you go up to the mountaintop and you worship Jesus. You, you do it with all your heart. You bow down and you worship him in song and in prayer and in just resting in his presence and his glory with thanksgiving and with praise. 
And then we come down from that mountaintop and we're walking around doing all the stuff we do in life and his glory just shines out into the world through the cracks in our earthenware jars. We go up to that mountaintop again and he fills us again and again and we come down again and again and we live out that worship. It's just the way he made us. My earthenware jar was made for a different purpose to yours. Yours is different to the next person's. We're all imperfect. That's the way it's meant to be. So that nobody can be in any doubt that the glory comes from God. I love getting together with God's people and singing songs of worship and praise. But you know, the greatest times of worship for me are in my study with the door closed, with the Bible open, just praying and delighting and worshipping God and being filled with a sense of his presence, being filled with his spirit. And then when I open that door and I go and do all the things I do in life, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better teacher, I'm a, I'm a better manager, I'm better everything because I spent that time worshipping God. Worship on the inside becomes worship on the outside, the things that we do in life. Worship, worship is a way of life. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries around the world to live an authentic life in a rich, dynamic, powerful relationship with Jesus. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Now, each dollar that you give toward the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 will reach over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by giving us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I mentioned earlier. It's called Living an Authentic Life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. And I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.